Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All things in the name of love. With your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music written and performed by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 44, The Critical Importance of Empathy and Relatability to Connect Deeply with Others, with Lori Orlinsky. Today, I have the honor and pleasure of speaking with Lori Orlinsky, the author most recently of The Tooth Fairy's Tummy Ache, and last year, she published Being Small Isn't So Bad After All. And I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk with you, Lori. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah. So so before I started recording, we had a little bit of a conversation about the inspiration for being small isn't so bad after all. And I would love for you to have that, to get into that with me, because I think it's such an important message. Sure. I have two daughters. One, uh, my older daughter is named Haley. She will be seven soon. And my younger daughter is Ellie and she just turned four. And when Haley was three years old and in preschool, she was a very outgoing child and used to come home and, you know, blab to me about her day until I'd tell her to stop. And one day she just came home with her head down in tears. Mm -hmm. And I asked her what happened and it, it took a lot of coaxing. And I found out that the teachers in her class had hung a growth chart on the wall as a part of redecorating the classroom for the springtime. And this was the first time that Haley realized that she was different from her peers. And it was mm. the first time that they realized she was different too, because while all of their names were at the top and the bottom, or the, excuse me, the top and the middle of the growth chart, her name was all the way at the bottom with no other names in sight. Oh. And, you know, she realized that she was short. And not only did she realize she was short, you know, as a three-year-old, when you're looking at a chart, you know, we're conditioned to think that people's names or being at the top is the best. Mm -hmm. So, of course, coming into that classroom every day, being in that classroom, seeing her name on the bottom, she felt like she had done something wrong and she felt like mm -hmm. she was the worst. Oh. So, it really hit, you know, it really hit her hard. And yeah. I've won myself. So, I understand how she felt, but, you know, it didn't hit me as hard as it hit her. And I would constantly, you know, tell Haley throughout the, you know, the weeks and the months that went by all the benefits that short kids have. For example, you know, you're the last one to get wet when it rains and it didn't seem to make her feel better. I mean, it maybe gave that chuckle that you just gave, but didn't seem to make her feel better. And so, yeah. you know, I was searching and searching for a book and finally I decided I have a journalism background. Let me just write the book that helps Haley and other kids. Mm, that's so sweet because it's so, 
I mean, I know it was hard being different growing up in the 70s and 80s, and I didn't have the social pressures that little ones have now. So bringing this into awareness and helping other ones who feel that pressure is really, really beautiful. Thank you. And I, you know, my goal originally was just to help Haley. I mean, I I had a very tunnel vision. I want to make sure I help Haley feel better. And then as I was writing it, it's no, 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 let me help any parent who's in my situation, whose child comes home and says, I feel different because I'm short. And then I kind of took it a step further and said, you know what, you can actually take that word short, take it out and sub it for skin color. You can sub it for hair color, sexuality, like anything that makes a child feel different. You can take that lesson and show the child that you're different and you're unique, but that also means that you're special. That is so true and so needed in our world today because there's so much difference and there's this this tension going on in our world with, is it okay to be different? Is it not okay to be different? And it really is okay to be different and, and to celebrate that. Yes, you're right. And I think kids have to learn that at a young age. They have to learn that it's okay that I have a friend who's short. She can do, she or he or she can do something special that tall kids can do tall kids can do something special that short kids can do and vice versa. And for every child to know that it's okay to be themselves and it's okay to stick out a little bit because they have qualities that other kids don't have. Yeah. I'm on the, I'm on the opposite end of you. I was the tallest kid in my class until ninth grade and I was the tallest girl in my class. And all of my friends were probably at least six inches shorter than me. I'm not that tall, but my group was just slower growing than I was. So I felt so self-conscious that I started hunching over because oh I wanted gosh. to I wanted to fit in with them because it was like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm ahead above them and it's really awkward and I don't know how to relate. And of course there weren't any consolations for that either. So it's really a gift that you're giving in the world that you're helping people to see themselves as a gift instead of something wrong with them. Thank you. And, you know, it really helps to, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes. I had a lot of parents of kids that are either tall or average height read the book, and they would say to me, you know what? One, it puts their words in perspective because you see in the book how the child is called pet names like Shorty and Peanut and you know, while these kids think it, they're being funny or just kind, they're really not. They're hurting the feelings of someone else. So it puts right. your words in perspective. Mm. But then the interesting thing is these parents would say to me, they would say to me, my child has kind of their own set of issues. Like a tall child, for example, comes with the expectation that they're smarter because they look older. And so if you have a young child, let's say that's four years old and they're not really talking that much, they might look like they're seven. And so people might not think they're as intellectually capable. And then, you know, they also come with the expectation that they're more athletic. So it was interesting. This book has also opened up a dialogue about, you know, different different types of children and, and how we parent those kids, but above all, teaching the kids that it's okay to be themselves. This is so beautiful. How did you navigate it growing up? You know, it did not bother me in the way that it bothered Haley. But okay. There were times, I mean, there were times I remember feeling horrible about being short. And the number one time 
I can remember is, is standing in line for a roller coaster. I used to love to ride roller coasters. And now I don't, which is probably because I have some PTSD from this, but mm-hmm. all of my friends would walk right in and I would, you know, I would have a really high ponytail. And my mom would stuff my shoes with socks <laughs> and like nine times out of 10, they would stop me and they would stop the ride and they would make me get measured. And some of the times oh. they would, you know, say go, but other times they would say, you know, it's your ponytail. You're not tall enough. And God, it feels so bad. I mean, I just came back from Disney World with my kids and my younger one could not ride Splash Mountain this year. I mean, she was right there on the cusp, even with the stuffed socks and the the ponytail. I mean, she did not make that 38 inch mark. And it just, it's so heartbreaking. And I can relate so much in those instances. But then, you know, in other instances, I thought being short was cool. Like I always got to be in the front of a class picture, but, you know, Haley didn't see those cool things. I mean, she was really, again, associating it with being the worst. One, because she was all alone with her name there. And two, because she was at the bottom. Did they take the measuring down? It's funny. uh, You know, I did ask them to and explain kind of the situation and they didn't take it down, but they did have a discussion with kids kind of about their, about everybody's differences and about how everyone is special. You know, nobody meant any harm by that growth chart. And I'm actually kind of, I'm kind of glad that they didn't take it down because thinking about that constantly gave me the idea to write the book. Um, But even the teachers, I mean, they would call Haley shorty and they would rest um, their hands on her, you know, arm, like she was a a hand rest. And sometimes they would kind of like pat her head, like she was a puppy because Mm. that's like what we're conditioned to do when people are smaller than us. And so I also empowered Haley to stand up not only to the kids, but to the teachers and say, you know what, that's, that's silly that you're calling me that, but can you just call me Haley instead? That is awesome. So she definitely became a really outspoken little girl. And it was the time in her development emotionally and socially where she can kind of go into that fight or flight mode. And I wanted her to, I wanted to continue to see her personality develop. And so I'm so thankful every day that I wrote the book because it gave her so much confidence and not only confidence, but she has so much empathy for others that are different. Have you always been empathetic? I I think I've always been empathetic, but really more so going through the process of writing this book has has changed my, you know, way of life in general. I mean, one of the things I was had the honor and privilege of doing is I live in Chicago and so I was invited to to read to the children at Lurie Children's Hospital and it was amazing. I mean, there were kids there with all different conditions. And, you know, I said to the kids after I read the book, what is one thing that makes you different? And I kept it really light on purpose. I said, I'm left-handed. And a girl raised her hand and said, well, I'm different because I have spina bifida and I can't do the traditional gymnastics things that other kids can do, but I can do this. And she kind of like contorted into a a different type of split. And one girl raised her hand and said, you know, I have someone else's heart in my chest. She had a heart transplant. And so, my God, seeing the book resonate beyond just the height with so many people was really amazing because it shows me that they're taking the meaning of it and they're relating it to their own situation. That is so powerful. It really is. And and Haley has a friend. Her name is Rosie and she has alopecia. And we talk about Rosie a lot and we talk about the fact, you know, a lot of times people stare at her because she doesn't have hair. And Haley and I will sometimes list off the things that make Rosie special. You know, all the time in the summer, we're like, oh my gosh, Rosie's so lucky. She doesn't have all that hair to make her sweat. She must be cool. And 
<laughs> you know, we're constantly. That's awesome. When other people come up that have some differences, we talk about them and we talk about the things that make them special and how we don't point at people and how, you know, it's important to know everybody's story and not judge them. Mm. That is so beautiful. Thank you. And Haley actually recently donated her hair in honor of her friend, Rosie. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. And selfishly, it also is much easier to brush now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my mom gave me a bowl cut when I was in fourth grade because she didn't want to get conditioner. And it was easier. (laughs) Had I known, I would have donated the hair, but you know. That's so beautiful. So what what do you say has changed for you in following this path of writing this book for Haley, or initially writing the book for Haley? Well, in addition to just Haley having more confidence, as I said, she kind of flips things on their heads now. And when people say something about her being short, she says, oh, yeah, well, I get the most leg room when I fly in a plane or I can find the best hide and speak box. I mean, She's got the confidence and the self-acceptance. But as I said, that empathy, I mean, I am raising her to be such an empathetic child. And I always wanted my kids to be kind and empathetic. But this book, I mean, has really put empathy in the foundation of everything that she does. She's a really great, Mm -hmm. smart kid. I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. I mean, there was a little girl in her class last year. Her name is Sumia, and she came from Yemen and did not speak any English. And Haley would talk to me about, you know, I feel really bad about Sumia. She sits by herself at lunch. And she said to me, you know what, I'm going to make her my friend. And she said the hard part, she said the hard part is that I really can't communicate with her. So she started drawing pictures for Sumia and they started exchanging pictures and letters. And now they're really good friends. And One of the most rewarding things for me as a parent was earlier in this year, Haley's in first grade, was hearing from Sumia's mom how much Haley changed the course of, you know, moving and being accepted into kindergarten. And, you know, Sumi is in class with Haley now because her mom requested that because she found such a friend in Haley. And so that made me feel really great as a parent. And I'd like to think that the book had a hand in that because we wouldn't have talked about differences at such length had the book not been, you know, written. Wow. How do you see that in your life unfolding? Like your day-to-day activities, has that affected you too? It's definitely taught me to kind of stop and and put myself in other people's shoes, you know, before before I think, before I speak. It just, everything about bullying and it really... Hearing from other parents makes me see that kids aren't just bullied because of the the physical things that they see. I mean, they're bullied because of the the way they act or the things that they say. And so it's it showed me from conversations with different parents to take a step back and to make sure that I'm raising my kids with good values. And it's just been it's been really amazing. It's the book has definitely surpassed my wildest dreams because, as I said, the initial intent was to give this book as a gift to Haley, but it really became a gift to the world. Mm, that's so awesome. How have you Thank seen, you. how have you seen everything? Like, I know you're, you're publishing a new book on Monday, right? Monday or Tuesday, Tuesday. And how has it shifted your life? Like, how has this one it book means- shifted everything? Well, I've always wanted to write a children's book. I have a background in writing and journalism. 
And it's just been one of those things on my bucket list that, yeah, I'll do it next year. Maybe I'll do it in five years. And it gave me the confidence to know that I can do it and I can do it well and I can do it again. And I love it. And I, I believe in myself now. And it's just an amazing feeling because even when I was submitting my book to publishers, I sent 200 query letters out and I would get so many no's back. And then I thought, maybe it's not good enough. It's good, but maybe it's not good enough. And so it really gave me confidence in myself. And it also helped me accept constructive criticism. I mean, I went through a rigorous editing process with Mascot Books. And, you know, we worked together on edits and illustrations. And those edits and illustration notes only made the book better. Mm. So are you, um, with the launch of the new book, is this uh, opening you up to a path that you wouldn't have anticipated for yourself? Exactly. I mean, it was, it's the bucket list path, I kind of call it. I mean, it's, I really have to pinch myself because I can't believe I'm actually doing what I wanted to do as a young child. I remember making construction paper books, and my daughter does this now. She wants to be an author. Um, But I would staple construction papers together and fold them and like literally make a book about everything. I probably can find a ton of these in my parents' basement, but to actually think I followed my dream of being an author is, is completely amazing. And in addition to the Tooth Fairy's tummy ache, I have been wanting to write a third book, another personal story. In late 2018, we lost our cat, Tiger. And Ooh. in losing our cat, we I felt like a tangible way to explain death to my children was to do a balloon release. So we did a balloon release. But then in that balloon release, my kids would say to me, well, where are the balloons going right now? And how are they going to get to her? And I had been kind of stewing on this idea for a while. And I actually just submitted, um, signed a contract for my third book, which is called Balloons for Tiger. And it's a book about pet loss, but in a way that children could understand and in a non-spiritual way, because I found that so many books about pet loss were spiritual and religious. This one is more whimsical and, you know, kind of talks about the journey of the balloons and all the things that they run into on their way to Tiger. Mm. And I, I really do feel like the best books come out of your own personal experiences. Yeah. It's interesting because relating as a child to spirituality was always challenging for me. I, I, I'm pretty ridiculous. I mean, I have a spiritual podcast, so clearly I'm comfortable with it now, but like, it's a tough concept for kids and it really is. And yet somehow you're doing it with teaching empathy because that's more tangible. Yeah. Because that's what it is. It's, 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 it's relating is, is seeing the beauty of another person and not judging them. Yes, it, it is. And it's just, it's so beautiful that you're taking this, these themes, although I'm, I got to ask you about the tooth fairy stomach ache, but like these themes of, of difference and of loss and making them relatable to kids in ways that don't feel like they're so intellectual. I guess. And forced too. I think another yeah. way to put it as forced because I purposely did rhyming picture books because I think it simplifies and kind of takes the 
the level of difficulty of a topic like bullying or like death or like telling the truth, which I can talk about about the truth very stomach, but it takes those topics and puts them in a more tangible way and it's lighthearted and you can have a discussion about the book and get into those topics mm-hmm. without saying, let's sit down and talk about bullying or let's sit down and talk about what happens when a pet dies. Right. Which is really a gift because those are tough topics and to have it have it come in from such a light angle is really, really important. And a lot of that came from, you know, my experience as a parent, not finding the books that I needed. I couldn't find a book about short kids. I couldn't find a book that explained to my kids about pet loss in a way that I wanted to. So mm-hmm. a lot of this, I think, is filling a need for, for me as a parent and hopefully other parents. Oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, given... Given your accolades, I think you're you're hitting a point there. So like you're hitting a nerve of, of people who are looking for that relatability that they can't seem to find. Yeah. So so tell me about the tooth fairy stomach ache. Tummy ache. It keeps <laughs> it's a tongue twister. So out of all of the books, that one is kind of the most imaginative. So it is another lesson based book. It's a lesson about honesty, but of all things, it uses the tooth fairy to kind of teach the lesson because the tooth fairy is someone that kids love to learn about. Mm -hmm. And so without giving too much away, the book is about a little girl who swallows her first tooth. I didn't swallow my first tooth, but I lost, I literally lost mine. Like I think my mom (laughs) threw it away. So that's probably where the inspiration came from. Mm -hmm. Um, But she obviously doesn't know what to do because she's upset that the tooth fairy can't visit. So she puts a kernel of popcorn under her pillow and all these funny things start happening. You know, the, the popcorn starts popping and you can kind of guess by the time yeah. it happens. But, you know, there is an end lesson about always being honest and telling the truth. And so I like it because it's it's approachable to kids. And I've just always loved the tooth fairy. I've always believed really hard in the tooth fairy and wondered what it was like. So it, it really allowed me to take a look at, um, you know, tap into my own imagination. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Because honesty is, yeah, honesty is something that's, that's a tough thing to teach. It is. It really is because kids often hear us telling little white lies. I mean, my daughter, you know, we went to do a TV show a couple of days ago to talk about the books and I signed her into school and the administrator said, oh, were you at a doctor's appointment? And, you know, I couldn't stop and say, actually, no, we were at, you know, we were on TV. Please give us an excuse tardy slip. Mm-hmm. So I just said, uh-huh. And she looked at me later and she was like, mommy, why did you lie? And so, you know, we walk a fine line with our kids. I mean, we, above all, we have to tell them to tell the truth, but there are some instances like that where I think we can tell them that it's okay to tell a little white lie uh, from time and time again, as long as they're not malicious and deceitful. Right. And that that is a, that's a, that's a tough place to like, what's the teaching moment? Like, cause I mean, she caught you, which is amazing. And, and teaching that out in front of the school, (laughs) I would have been so embarrassed. (laughs) Mom. (laughs) And I told her, you know, it's for the greater good. I don't want them to put a tardy, an unexcused absence. It'll follow you through the rest of elementary school. I didn't sit there and tell them, hey, we were at a doctor's appointment and here's what the doctor said. I just nodded my my head and said, "Mm mm-hmm, we were at an appointment. At an appointment. That's not really a lie. It was an appointment. It, yeah. It's not a total lie. <laughs> it's just not sharing uh, all the with, details. <laughs> with my own kids, I mean, I make sure 
you know, if they, if I do catch them in a little lie, I'm like, well, what happened to the girl in the book and what happened to the tooth fairy? And so also just in addition to using my own book, I mean, we use books all the time to teach kids lessons and it feels better, you know, when we tell them, you know, when we tell them about, you know, folk tales and things, we're always using characters and things like that to make it feel better. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the boy who cried wolf, for example, is a good example yeah. of that. Yeah, it is. Because it, stories bring with them the relatability and trigger the empathy within us so we can understand and relate and get a deeper meaning from them versus like That's having right. just a conversation like you're going to be doing this now. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you would like to share with me? I would definitely love it if uh, your listeners connected with me. The best way to connect with me is through my website on lauriorlinskyauthor.com. It's O-R-L-I-N-S-K-Y. Is that what you're going to ask me? Yep, I was going to ask you that. And it's L-O-R-I. Okay. Yep. lauriorlinskyauthor.com. And you'll find my Facebook and Instagram handles there. And my books are available on Amazon. And one thing I absolutely love seeing is, is pictures of people's kids reading my books. It makes me feel so special. I have a collage of about 300 kids reading Being Small and their oh, kids from awesome. all around the world, all walks of life, a lot of diversity. And so it, it makes me feel good to know that the, the books are touching other, other people. Oh, yeah. That's really beautiful. Oh, Lori, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so very, very welcome. It's such an honor to have you. The action item of the week is to see how you can actually enhance your compassion and empathy towards others. Tune in and see who in your life, who you think is different than you, and start thinking about how to celebrate their differences. That's it for the week. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. soul shine I can feel it yours and mine close your eyes and witness it inside in your bones you will know trust and let go Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.